Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 299. Today is September 11th, 2019. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. While the markets are surging like crazy, the S&P 500 today closed within 1% of an all-time record high. And that's despite the fact that all the news you hear is negative. How could that happen? Well, that's exactly what we're going to talk about in this episode. Before we do, just one quick announcement. I just want to remind you what I mentioned in the last episode, which was that I'm thinking about having a well-steading meetup on November 10th in Dallas-Fort Worth. So if that's something you're interested in, please get in touch with me over at either investablewealth.com or wealthsteading.com. And let me know if you'd like to get together that afternoon. And if there's enough interest, then we'll definitely put that together. I do have it tentatively on my calendar. Well, hey, on to today's business. What about this market surge? S&P 500 today is up just shy of 1% of an all-time record high. It's been moving up incrementally over the past few weeks or so, but it was really about a week ago that the surge really kicked in. The S&P 500 got above its 100-day moving average and then broke solidly above the 50-day moving average. Now, that's not so incredible in and of itself, but what amazes me, actually not what amazes me about this market, I'm almost fully invested in the market, so I'm not amazed at all. It's just a confirmation of what I've wanted to take place. But what I do find amazing in the whole thing is that this market has climbed a wall of worry in spite of all the nonstop negative headlines that we see about a trade war, a recession, declining corporate profits, tariffs. I mean, pick whatever bad news you want. And we're getting hammered by it every day, and yet the market keeps going higher. Well, that's one reason that I always stress on the Wellsteading podcast that you should ignore the news. It's just static. It's not there to inform you. It's simply to enrich the media providers so they can sell advertising. As I've been saying for a long time now, none of the numbers and data and statistics that I look at indicate to me that we're imminently headed into a recession. If I thought that was the case, I would have pulled out and moved into cash or some other safety trade type position long ago. But I haven't been worried about a recession. One of the statistics that I look at that has consistently been a contrarian indicator to me is the amount of negativity that we see with investor sentiment. If you go over and look at either the tracking of investor sentiment on the American Association of Individual Investors, that's kind of the mom and pop, the retail investor statistic, it's been consistently negative for months now. And in particular, the last, oh, I don't know, two or three weeks, the negativity on the bullish side has been significantly below the long-term average. And if you look at indicators of professional investors, they haven't been as drastically negative but they've still been very negative. And when you have that many investors that are that sour on the economy and thinking that the market has to go down, well, in a lot of cases, that's exactly the reason that the market will go up. I think that's definitely what we've been seeing here the past few weeks. There's been too many people on the sell side of this trade. The markets have been oversold. But in particular, what I want to talk about in today's episode are the reasons that we've seen the market surge up so much in the last week and a half I think we can nail that down to a couple reasons, and specifically one primary reason. And the primary reason has to do with China. Last week, it looked like the Chinese had really started to walk back some of the stubbornness they've had on the trade talks. 
And in fact, I think they were definitely sending a signal that if they weren't at least taking a softer stand on the trade war, they were at least relenting a little bit on their previous hardball stance. Now stick with me on this because some of you may be disagreeing and we're going to talk about that as I wrap up this episode. But for now, let's look at it just from the perspective that the Chinese are starting to walk back some of the strong stands that they've had on the trade war. Last week, they did three key events and then at the beginning of this week, they did one more. The one thing that they did early this week was that they started to remove some of the import tariffs that they have on American products. Now, they're not doing that because they want to be friendly to Uncle Sam. They're doing that because their economy is under stress and they don't want to drag down their economy further by putting large tariffs on products that are critical to their supply chain. Now, they're still leaving tariffs on where it can really hurt Trump in things like agricultural products. And yes, that does hurt their overall economy. But I'm talking in really critical, high-tech type products that they can't source anywhere else and that they need to run their economy. They've since rescinded some of the tariffs on those products. So that's the number one thing that they walked back and they did that this week. Now last week, they did three other things. And this had to do with the drastic slowdown that we're seeing in the Chinese economy. So what they did was try and inject more stimulus by lowering the reserves that banks are required to keep on hand so that it would create a more monetary easing policy and banks would be more likely to loan money out. Now again, this is nothing new, but now they're taking that even one step further to make sure that the money is not staying in the banks, but getting out to both the producers and the consumers that need to spur economic growth. And this easy monetary policy is one reason that I've been pretty unconcerned this year that the Chinese economy was going to drastically falter or was going to fall apart. Now, I say, I do think that someday in the future that will be a concern, but for now, I think their economy and their central bank has enough control on things and can print enough money and intervene in the economy to keep this house of cards going a little bit longer. Again, we've been seeing this all year and we definitely saw it happen last week. So while I don't see this as a panacea for ensuring that the Chinese economy is going to go on forever, but given the situation we're in right now, I think they've got plenty of ammunition to keep things chugging along for the foreseeable future. Now, the other thing they did last week was that they announced that they would continue the trade talks with Washington. This was a big deal. And in fact, after they announced it, we saw huge movements in all the global markets and I think that went on for at least three or four sessions without any kind of a pullback at all. So by the Chinese simply saying that they were willing to continue the negotiations, that drove the markets higher. That's what I've been talking about in past episodes about happy talk. Nothing really occurs. Nothing really changes. We just get some happy talk, whether it comes from Washington, D.C. or Beijing or Brussels or from a tweet from the White House doesn't matter where this happy talk comes from, but whenever we get it, it drives the market higher. And we definitely saw a lot of happy talk from the Chinese last week. And finally, a really major, significant key event that we saw take place last week that definitely drove the global stock markets higher was when Hong Kong came out and rescinded the extradition law that's been causing the protests to take place for the last, I don't know, three and a half months in Hong Kong. Now, the funny part about all this is, is that it didn't cause the protesters to back down. In fact, 
I think if anything, it's emboldened the protesters, which is really going to back the Chinese Communist Party into a corner. For now, the markets aren't looking at it that way. The markets are simply saying that since the extradition law has been revoked, that again was evidence that China is offering some type of a olive branch of peace and trying to contain the situation. That's exactly the happy talk that the global markets wanted to hear. And I think that was a key factor for driving this market higher. Now, like I say, though, the Hong Kong protesters are continuing to protest. And that's a powder keg that's just waiting to be ignited. But for now, everybody seems to be ignoring the reality of the situation. Now, those four things I mentioned are the things that the Chinese did that could possibly be a sign that they're signaling, that they're relenting on their hard ball that they've been playing with the tit-for-tat when it comes for these trade talks and the tariffs. Now, a couple other things that have happened that are continuing to be a tailwind to this market is that there's a great deal of anticipation that the European Central Bank this week will make an announcement where they'll probably not only reduce interest rates, but they'll probably also ramp up their quantitative easing program. Now, I suspect that will happen, and we should get notice of it by Thursday or Friday. If that doesn't happen, I think you're going to see a major pullback in the stock market. Not only the U.S., but all the global markets. So that's definitely something you want to pay attention to. But I think it's almost impossible to believe that the ECB isn't going to lower rates and most likely increase the QE program because it's already priced into the market. And with the slowdown in Germany and the continuing drama of the Brexit talks, it's likely that Europe could be headed to a recession one way or another. And so everyone is expecting the ECB to act now to at least soften the blow of what is maybe inevitable. And if all that weren't enough, the market is also looking into next week's Federal Reserve meeting. That's where the Federal Reserve is expected to announce an additional cut in U.S. interest rates. Now, most people are assuming it's going to be at least 25 basis points. There's a number of people thinking that it's going to be as much as 50 basis points. Now, this too is already priced into the market. So next week, if the Federal Reserve comes out and they're really hawkish and they don't cut interest rates, I think you can expect the market to crash. Likewise, even if they come out and just cut maybe 25 basis points, that could be an example of buy the rumor, sell the news, and you still see the market pull back. On the other hand, if the Federal Reserve comes out very dovish with a lot of happy talk about how they're going to continue to cut rates, and if they actually bite the bullet and cut rates by as much as 50 basis points, we could see this market get up to, I don't know, 3,100 on the S&P 500. I think there's a lot of people that would like that to happen, but that in and of itself, that half a percent interest rate cut is not yet baked into the market, and that would really show that the Federal Reserve has put a floor, a put underneath this market, and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see the S&P 500 go up to at least 3,100. Now, as far as the Federal Reserve cutting at least 25 basis points, like I say, that's priced into the market, and we really got some affirmation on that last week when on Friday the jobs report came out. I think it came out to be something like 125,000 jobs were created. And that was one of those lukewarm type readings where it wasn't a bad number, but it was a lower number that had been previously estimated. And it's kind of one of those Goldilocks numbers where had the number been really high, that would have showed that the economy is just chugging along and creating so many jobs that it really wouldn't warrant the Federal Reserve to reduce interest rates. 
On the other hand, since this number was lower than expected, it does provide the Federal Reserve cover to say, oh, the economy's slowing down, we need to reduce rates. But at the same time, the number wasn't low enough to spook the stock market to say that the economy is actually cooling off because it was a fairly decent number. The other good thing that came out with those job numbers is that salaries are increasing enough to provide consumers with confidence so they're continuing to go out and spend, and yet at the same time, it's not drastically impacting the cost of employers. So again, Goldilocks scenario. People are working, people have money to spend, but those increase in wages are not significant enough to show up with inflationary pressures that are putting corporate profits at risk. So again, yet one more reason why we've seen the market perform so amazingly well over the last week or so. Now, up till now, I've been telling you all the really good reasons that are baked into the market and the rationale as to why it's gone up so well over the past week and a half. Is this going to hold? If the things I just outlined continue, if the Chinese keep up their happy talk, if the ECB eases more monetary policy, if the Federal Reserve does indeed cut rates at least 25 basis points or more, yes, then I do think we're going to see the S&P 500 go on to hit an all-time record high. But, on the other hand, let me tell you where my cynicism comes in. And that gets back to why the Chinese did what they did last week. Were they signaling that they were relenting on the hard tactics, the tit-for-tat? Was that what they were doing? Are they walking back their tariff policies? Or is it just a head fake? Were the Chinese giving the market happy talk, telling the market exactly what they wanted to hear to drive the S&P 500 back up near all-time record highs like we are right now? Were they doing all that ahead of next week's Federal Reserve FOMC meeting so that when the Board of Governors meet, the economy will look like it's chugging along, the stock market will be at near all-time record highs, and there'll be no reason to lower rates, or if they do lower rates, maybe they'll just do it a fraction of a percent. All this happy talk coming from China could be setting up the Federal Reserve to take a more hawkish stance next week. And if that happens, as I mentioned before, I think that will ultimately drive the market lower. And if indeed that was the intent of the Chinese not to show that they were softening their stance, but actually that it was just a head fake, that they were actually trying to sabotage our economy, because what that would allow them to do is once the Federal Reserve takes that hawkish stance and the market goes down, then the Chinese could come back with a very aggressive, hard, non-negotiating stance on the trade war, and that could drive the stock market not only to drop, but I think to really make a major tailspin. I think that is where we would see the market drop 15 to 20 or 25%. Now, is it the intent of the Chinese as part of a negotiating tactic on their end to crash the U.S. economy and show weakness in the U.S. stock market and show that they have the upper hand? I don't know if that's their intent. President Xi doesn't call me and tell me what he's planning. I wish he would. I'm sure he's listening in. I'd be happy to take his call. But for now, I can only speculate on what they're thinking over there. Now, like I said, based on what they did last week, it can only be one of two things. Either they're walking back their trade policy and they truly do want to get some type of a negotiation sooner rather than later. Or on the other hand, it could be a head fake and they actually want to see happen to the U.S. stock market what's been happening to the Chinese market. Because if you've been paying attention to that, you'll know that not only is the Chinese economy at its lowest rate in, I don't know, some 15 or 30 years, 
but their stock market is also down significantly. Now, it has risen up here in the past oh, six months or so compared to some of its really drastic lows, but it's still way off of where it should be. I throw this idea out there not to scare anybody, not to create drama, but just to make you aware of what could or could not be happening and how the carpet could be pulled out on the S&P 500 just as it's about to make an all-time new record high. So it's something you have to watch out for. And not only that, and not just to blame everything on our Chinese friends, I'm going to tell you something else that I'm actually surprised hasn't happened yet. In fact, I'm downright shocked that we haven't seen a negative tweet coming out of the White House to drive this market lower. And you're saying, John, what are you talking about? Why would President Trump want to drive the S&P 500 lower? He wants a strong economy for when he runs for re-election. Well, of course he does. But we're still more than a year away from the 2020 elections. So follow along with me on this. If you were President Trump and you knew that the Federal Reserve FOMC meeting was taking place next week, I think it's September 17th and 18th or 18th and 19th. I don't have the date in front of me, but it's mid-next week. If you're President Trump and you knew that that was going to happen, and you knew that the things that we've just talked about, the jobs number were, was low, but not too low. U.S. economy seems to be plugging along pretty well. All this happy talk out of China has caused the S&P 500 to be within 1% of an all-time record high. If you were looking at all that data and you were President Trump, wouldn't you put out a negative tweet of some sort, whether it's telling the Chinese you're going to do 50% tariffs or that he's not going to meet with them in the upcoming negotiations or you know, whatever sad talk that he wants to put out there, he could do that in a tweet. That would take all the momentum out of this market. It could cause the S&P 500 to easily drop, say, 5, 6, 7%. And when that happened, on top of the fact that we were just about to hit another all-time record high, well, that would look like we're having a double top. All the stop losses would kick in. And instead of the S&P 500 dropping, say, 5 or 6%, it could fall 10 or 15 just on one bad tweet from President Trump. Now, why would he want to do that? Because next week is the FOMC meeting. And if the Board of Governors are meeting and the market's down 10 or 15% and everyone's in a panic that the trade war is heating up again, then in that kind of a scenario, the Federal Reserve would be very likely to take a very dovish stance and to cut interest rates by 50 basis points, if not more. And so that's why I say that I'm shocked that Trump hasn't put more turbulence into the market this week. He doesn't want to go into the FOMC meeting next week with a booming stock market. He wants low interest rates. Well, there it is. There are some possible explanations for why the stock market has skyrocketed up so much in the past few trading sessions and why it could be likely to either fall apart or even go on and make all-time record highs next week all based on the outcome of the FOMC meeting. So what do you do between now and then? Well, I think it's prudent to wait and see what happens. But I will throw out a caveat to that, saying that I do think that emerging markets right now are still at a buy point. Now, they were at a better buy point two or three weeks ago, but with all the volatility that we'd seen through the month of August, we just didn't know how low the emerging markets would go. But it looks like perhaps they have put in a bottom, and unlike the S&P 500, they are nowhere near putting in a record high. In fact, emerging markets right now are at a very interesting point. We're seeing both the 100 and 200-day moving averages converging 
And right at that critical juncture is where we see the price. And so to take a prudent position, it may make sense to take about a half position of any money that you might want to commit into the emerging markets. Take that now when we're right at that convergence of the 200 and 100 day moving averages. And then wait till next week and see if either Trump or the Chinese or the Federal Reserve cause this market to crash or to go on to all-time record highs. Because if you take a half position now, that allows you to add more to a rising market next week, or on the corollary to that, if the market does fall apart, you can take the other half of that position and buy in at lower prices. One way or another, though, I remain bullish on the overall global economy. I think there's way too much negativity. I think the uncertainty over Brexit and trade wars and tariffs and all the other chicken little scenarios that we heard, I think they're way overblown, just like they've been overblown for the last two years. And that's why I remain solidly invested in this market, both U.S., foreign, and emerging markets. Well, hey, just my opinion. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict the future. I don't tell you what to do. I simply give you my rationale and tell you what my positions are. Am I right or wrong? Well, hey, come on back for future episodes of the Wellsteading Podcast to find out. Until then, as always, this is John Pagliano wishing you the very best returns.